0: Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, from Walking Dead Now. I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Thank you for joining me tonight. Hope you could spend the next hour with us. If you are joining us for the first time and you want more information about our show, please visit us at our website at deadtalklive.com. I want to say hello to some of you guys who are joining us on YouTube, and if you are on YouTube or have not yet visited our YouTube channel, the channel's name is Walking Dead Now. It'd be greatly appreciated if you visit us there and subscribe, and if you're there right now, please hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So I want to say hello to Sass, who is moderating, and we also have got Singer Chick joining us. Khaleesi is also with us. Welcome to all you guys. On the Instagram side, I want to say hello to Stalker. We have Cash joining us. Pablo Cersei is with us. Loai is with us. Adam is joining us. Welcome to all you guys. I hope you're enjoying your Wednesday evening. Uh, CC Weezy just joined us on Instagram, as did AJ. Welcome, 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 guys. Like I said, I hope you're enjoying your Wednesday evening. I know for some of you guys, it is Thursday morning. I want to say hello to Lindsay Sparks, just came on, from Canada on Facebook. So, let's just get right into it tonight. We have a lot of uh, headlines to go over today. Uh, You know how we love going over these opinion pieces. And the first one on the list today is about how Fear the Walking Dead Season 6 references Dwight's comic book death. Which is, uh, if you guys know anything about the comics, and I'm trying to remember now, Dwight was killed by Rick because Dwight was uh, trying to start a rebellion at the Commonwealth. And it was Rick, he, in order for Rick to keep the peace with the Commonwealth, he ended up having to kill Dwight. So let's see what this says. Fear of the Walking Dead Season 6 brings back Dwight's ruthless streak, and the story calls back to his death in the original comic series. Fear of the Walking Dead Season 6 has taken Dwight in a direction reminiscent of his comic book demise. Since leaving the main Walking Dead series behind, Dwight has endured an endless barrage of ups and downs. The former savior reunited with Morgan only to discover his ex-wife had given up on him. Dwight then changed his ways and became a better man by joining the main Fear of the Walking Dead group, but was soon forced to assimilate within Virginia's power and community, a dictatorship not entirely unlike Negan's. So, when Dwight and Sherry finally found each other in Fear, Season 6, Episode 3, It was only a matter of time until things went wrong in episode 5 which was just this past week's episode and the zombie apocalypse had already rained down on dwight's parade just as he's getting reacquainted with sherry dwight is abducted by masked intruders at gunpoint after learning that his attackers are actually sherry's companions Despite the rocky introduction, Dwight is pleased to find Sherry's crew contains a few familiar faces, all of whom hold a grudge against Virginia. When Al and Morgan join the fold, bringing down the pioneers begins to look like a real possibility. But since this is Dwight, and a bump in the road would inevitably emerge sooner rather than later... The two sides clash over the right time to attack Ginny. Morgan wants to hold off until his people are safe and a new home has been prepared, while Sherry's group plan to strike immediately. Desperate not to lose Sherry again, Dwight betrays his friends and sides with his ex, but his eagerness consumes him. And it doesn't work out too well for him either because Sherry ends up putting him in the same position prison that she has to put Morgan and Al in. as the red mist descends Dwight brutally tortures a prisoner locks up Morgan and Al and forsakes the innocent members of Ginny's community who might get caught in the crossfire although Dwight's anger gets the better of him he ends up in the same cell as Morgan and Al I mean there's a twist The resurgence of his darker side and the reasons behind that echo Dwight's death storyline in the Walking Dead comic books. At the beginning of the Commonwealth arc, Dwight is a valued member of the Alexandria community, but his relationship with Rick has been strained since the one-handed sheriff accidentally killed Sherry. So if you guys never read the comic books, yeah... Yeah, in the comic book, comic books, uh, Rick is responsible for not only killing Sherry, but he does also kill Dwight. Uh, the tension worsens when Dwight te- takes an immediate dislike to the Commonwealth leadership. He desperately, uh, he des- he's desperate to seize the community, fearing Pamela Milton is just Negan in fancier clothes. But Rick implores Dwight to be patient and bide his time. Unlike in Fear the Walking Dead, no one bothers to take Dwight's anger down a notch. And Rick is forced to shoot his friend to prevent war. Dwight's comic reaction to the Commonwealth shares many parallels with his recent outburst in Fear the Walking Dead Season 6. In both cases, Sherry is the root of Dwight's anger. Her her death triggers a feud with Rick in the comics, and her determination and fear pits Dwight against his own friends. Both stories are also fueled by Dwight's trauma from serving under Negan, although so far in Fear, it seems that Dwight, does still have the lingering trauma of the whole Savior's Negan effect, but it, it seems like Sherry is far worse off in regards to the trauma from Negan than Dwight is so far on Fear the Walking Dead. He fears the Commonwealth is the sanctuary repeating itself and uses his experience under Negan ...to justify attacking Ginny in Fear the Walking Dead. The two storylines highlight how the reformed Dwight... ...is liable to crack when confronted with another overbearing leader. And that is very, very true. In regards to Dwight and Sherry... ...of course, Negan tortured a lot of people. But when Dwight and Sherry came back to Negan in the sanctuary... ...after trying to run away which is where we got to meet them, when they got to meet Daryl. Biggest mistake of their lives. And Negan spent every single day making sure that they paid for even for trying to run away, even though they came back on their own. Now, this article finishes off by saying Dwight's comic death is unlikely to play out authentically in live action unless he and Rick Grimes... Both return to the main Walking Dead series in time for the final season. Dwight can't be shot for planning a commonwealth coup. His rash attempt to dethrone Ginny in fear might be as close as Dwight gets to his comic book death scene on TV. Now personally, I don't think Dwight is going anywhere on Fear of the Walking Dead. He does die, his character does die in the comic books, like they just explained, during the Commonwealth arc. But Austin Emilio combined with Morgan, uh, sorry, with Lenny James, who plays Morgan, on Fear the Walking Dead, and all the other uh, cast is what makes Fear the Walking Dead such a great show right now. You know, a total rejuvenation. Want to say to Miguel, who's joined us on Instagram, as well as Anderson. Maud is also giving us a smiley love face. Zolika Seven has just joined us on Instagram. Welcome to all you guys. Uh, let's see. Uh, just scrolling down the YouTube chats. Everyone is saying hello to each other. Like again, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Now the second, the second thing on our list today is Ezekiel and Princess escape mystery captors and table read clue. What they're trying to say in a, in a, one of these, table, these many table reads, these virtual table reads that have been getting released here and there, they're saying that there's a clue about Ezekiel and Princess escaping their Commonwealth captors. Let's see what they say. The initially-billed Season 10 finale of The Walking Dead left several questions up in the air for AMC viewers from Beta's demise to Negan and Maggie's reunion. The drama intensified exponentially, leaving fans on tenterhooks. However, another storyline involving Ezekiel, Yumiko, Princess, and Eugene is arguably one of the biggest question marks heading into the final season. Of course, they are the ones who are are responsible for the introduction of the Commonwealth. The trio of Yumiko, Ezekiel, and Eugene had left their cohorts on a mission to meet Stephanie, an unknown contact Eugene has been speaking with via radio. With Ezekiel's health woes and the possibility of joining forces with another community who may have the resources available to help, the three The Walking Dead stale warts head off. Uh, you know, they're basically talking about meeting another community, another community that can join Alexandria, whatever remained of Hilltop since it's burned to the ground right now. Oceanside will only strengthen what they already have, hoping and wishing that this new community is a friendly one. However, before long, they crossed paths with Princess, the eccentric Princess, who managed to convince the crew to go with them. Now, a group of four, the Walking Dead foursome, eventually reached the agreed meeting point where they said they would meet Stephanie, but they weren't greeted by a woman behind a voice on the radio. Instead, an army of masked, rifle-wielding soldiers cornered him in the final moments of the finale of season 10 and while their fates remained up in the air before the credits roll a first look table read confirms the four of them end up captured and separated however it looks like ezekiel and princess in particular will be leading an escape plan to free themselves from this mysterious new group who we know is the commonwealth. In a table read for upcoming episode called Splinter, fans learn each of the four has been imprisoned in separate train carts. Train carts, sound familiar? Like Terminus? But Princess leads an escape plan, managing to free herself from her cart, only to be spotted by the cautious and diplomatic Eugene, who says, hey, stop. Eugene tells Princess after seeing her escape, our armored chaperones are making frequent checks on these vicinities. What are you doing? We gotta find Yumiko. I think she's hurt bad, an, alarm, an alarmed Princess tells Eugene, but he's warier of the mysterious captors. Despite Princess telling Eugene she's heard Yumiko being taken away, he says, you said our potential benefactors are providing her with assistance. I said they took her. I don't know where or for what. Princess pleads. Come on, Eugene refuses, telling Princess it's not a good idea. As he warms, warms to the idea, this new group may be able to supply aid. We have to prove ourselves as worthy of allegiance. Eugene tells Princess, eventually leading to her backing down. However, it soon transpires Ezekiel has similar ideas. As he breaks into Princess's cart after she returns, Ezekiel tells Princess they need to conjure up an escape plan. But before fans find out what, the table read ends but with Yumiko seemingly wall, according to the table read, it's highly unlikely the gang will simply wait to find out what is going on. So, could Ezekiel and Princess ignore Eugene's pleas and break out? Or will Eugene's hunch be correct and this mystery new group be the allegiance the survivors have been hoping for? Now, how many of you guys have seen this table read? This virtual table read. I think it's great that AMC is releasing these virtual table reads because they're being done virtually now. Before, the entire cast would meet up before every episode and they would do these table reads. It's not only done on The Walking Dead, it's done on almost every TV show. It's a way for the actors to rehearse their lines they're not in costume, they're just sitting around a table, someone is narrating the scene, and the affected actors read out their lines. I think it's brilliant, and it's a huge hit with fans. Fans love watching the actors, a lot of times, read the script for the first time as they're doing these table reads. And it's really fascinating to watch, and I think it's brilliant that now that it's being done virtually, and it's a lot easier to capture and show little bits and parts to the fans out there and keep their interest still alive for the season 11, which is still, uh, you know, at least 11 months away, is my guess. We're not going to see season 11 before October of 2021. That doesn't mean that does not include the six extra episodes that we're getting in the beginning of 2021. I am talking about the beginning of season 11, where we're going to be introduced to the Commonwealth. Those six episodes, we already know. We're going to get to find out uh, about Negan and his wife, Lucille. Lucille is being played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real wife, Hillary Burton Morgan. Uh, I know, so we know at least one, two, maybe more episodes are going to be that. We also know that in those six episodes, the uh, Maggie-Negan reunion is going to happen. We are also most likely going to get flashbacks to what's been going on with Maggie all these years that she's been away from the communities. So we're going to get a lot of filler, backfiller information in those six extra episodes. And then we're going to go into season 11 Hopefully, if everything stays on schedule by October 2021, hopefully. So, let's see. I want to welcome Francine, who just joined us on Facebook as well, who's saying hello to us. Uh, Sass has seen the table read. She says she loved it. Uh, Brian is with us on YouTube as well. Welcome, Brian. Irene has joined us on Instagram. Carrie's with us on Instagram, as is Austin. Thais has joined us on Instagram as well. Welcome to all you guys. So let's move on to the next thing. The Walking Dead world beyond star shares excitement for Rick Grimes' return. Iris, played by Leah Royale, who was a guest of ours uh, shortly after the uh, uh, premiere of episode one of world beyond and her sister hope played by alexa mansoor have emerged as two of the leading and most intriguing figures in the walking dead world beyond in no small part down to the actors portrayals i gotta definitely agree with that they're both doing a fantastic job uh playing the parts of iris and hope Joined by fellow youngsters Elton, played by Nicholas Cantu, and Silas, played by Hal Cumpston, the foursome has decided to tackle the world of the dead in search for answers, having grown grown up in a closed-off and safe community with other survivors. And while the AMC spinoff has focused on the teens, there is one man who fans are desperate to see rick grimes andrew lincoln and i gotta remind everybody amc has come out and officially said we will not be seeing rick grimes in the world beyond season one uh they were not specified on season two but i'm gonna go out on the limb and say we are not going to see rick grimes at all on world beyond we're going to get a lot of hints about rick grimes We might even see a person from, like, the back of their head that might be Rick Grimes. It's not going to be Andrew Lincoln, but it might be they're trying to tell us that it is Rick Grimes. But beyond that, don't expect much more in regards to seeing Andrew Lincoln on World Beyond. That is just a very slim-to-none chance of happening. want to welcome Barney, who just got here. Welcome Barney. Kylog is also joining us on YouTube. We have Yuke with us on uh, Facebook. It's good to see all the new and fa- a lot of new faces today. Thank you guys for joining us. Christian is also, ha- also with us on YouTube. Uh, Je- Jesus has just joined us on YouTube as well. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So anyway, it goes on to say Rick has not been seen has not been seen in the Walking Dead universe ever since his dramatic exit from the flagship series in Season 9. However, the Walking Dead fans are well aware he's alive, and well thanks to the fact he's penned up to appear in spinoff films. Followed World Beyond's premiere, however, the rumor mill went into overdrive, tipping he could pop up in the AMC spinoff. And there appeared to be plenty of evidence to support his return to the walking dead universe with a post credit scene hinting at his arrival. Not only that, but some eagle eyed fans had spotted Lincoln had been credited with his appearance in the season finale one, in the season one finale, uh, in IMDB and we covered that. Uh, that was a fan. AMC came out and debunked that. Uh, any, IMDB is like Wikipedia. Anybody can make a contribution. Now, IMDB has a lot of filters uh, that are set up to prevent something like this from happening. This slipped through their filters and somebody was able to add Andrew Lincoln as part of the cast to episode 10 of, C- of um, World Beyond. He's, that's not accurate. AMC has come out and said that's not going to happen. Uh, with so many mixed messages and theories hinting at Rick's arrival, um, Iris, Iris, played by uh, Aaliyah Royale, if she could shed any more light on the situation when asked, she said absolutely not, uh, as she replied laughing at the question. Nope, that is one Easter egg, the one that I could never open up about. However, Royale did hint that she and the rest of the cast were excited to see Rick return, although did not clarify if he would be in World Beyond. We're all excited to see Rick return. We're just going to have to wait for the movies for it to happen. You know you gotta keep watching Royale teased. He's the king of the walking dead, a fan favorite. So if fans keep watching, could they be expecting Rick to show his face in the AMC spin-off? Question mark? No. <laughs> I'm sorry to burst the bubble. Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Rick Grimes is not gonna appear in World Beyond. Uh World Beyond is was specifically made. It's a limited two-season uh, show. It is specifically being made as the big lead-in into the Rick Grimes movies. That's why it was scheduled to be released in April, and when everything got pushed back because of the pandemic, they had it ready to go in April. It was ready to be shown. Instead, they chose to push it back because they didn't want it to get too old before the Rick Grimes movies we're actually getting close to premiering. So there you have it on that. Uh, let's see, Barney. Let's see all, the, all these new people coming in. Thank you guys for joining us. Gillespie is showing us as well on YouTube. And uh, YouTube reported that they are having problems worldwide today. Uh, I, that problem does not seem to be affecting me. But if you're having some issues with YouTube, they are apparently having some sporadic problems throughout the, the, whole, throughout the world. Uh, this show is simulcast on four different social media networks, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So if you're having issues on YouTube, please feel free to go to any of the other three social media platforms. Yeah, if you are having issues on YouTube, so you can watch this broadcast uninterrupted. Goldie Singh on Instagram writes Rick is the best. Rick is awesome. Pedro uh, Petro is giving us a thumbs up. Zubalda is giving us a thumbs up. Goldie Singh is also giving us a lot of love hearts. Uh, says love to see every see you every day. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Karan is giving us a smiley love face. Welcome to all you guys on Instagram. So let's get on to what the World Beyond boss has to say about the latest post credit scene that we got this past Sunday. The Walking Dead World Beyond boss has broken down what the show's latest post credit scene might mean going forward. Now this is our second post-credit scene that we've gotten on World Beyond. This one was a lot more cryptic than the first one we got uh, which was two weeks ago. Uh, This one, not as much information we don't see any walkers we just basically see the doctor I believe her name is Lila she gets a phone call she's obviously very nervous talking to the person on the other end of the line. She is told that someone is coming? Are they expecting the kids? Is this a big trap to lure Iris and Hope and her companions to where her father is? Is Dr. Leo Bennett dead or alive? You know, I personally think in the first post-credit scene that we got two weeks ago, that second patient uh, which went by the tag alpha 403a403 uh, we don't get to see who that person is a lot of people jump to the assumption that it was rick i don't think it's rick if you guys noticed all the people that all the the test subjects that she was working on were all zombies uh do not believe it's a living rick i believe it's actually dr bennett I believe that Dr. Bennett could very well be dead, and now he's a test subject. Why are they so interested in whoever is coming to them? We don't know. Anyway, the article continues to say, in the most recent installment of the horror drama spinoff, Felix, Hope, Iris, and the rest of the group were targeted by a bunch of tricksters, con men. Later, though, the grifters named Tony and Percy agreed to drive the Campus Colony crew to New York, but they had to dispatch of some of the empties, also known as zombies, also known as walkers, and break into a Civic Republic military camp to steal some fuel first. This is going to happen in next week's episode. After the episode finished, a short post-credit sequence see CRM scientists, Dr. Lila Belshaw, played by Natalie Gold, receive a phone call from the community's mysterious Colonel Lieutenant Elizabeth Kublik. Well, they're making an assumption there. They, uh, it's Lila never says, you know, Lieutenant Kublik or uh, Elizabeth's name, unless I'm missing something. If I missed it. Somebody please correct me, but in that post-credits scene, she doesn't mention anything that would lead us, besides lieutenant, who the hell she's talking to. It could be Elizabeth, it could not be Elizabeth. I assume the CRM has a lot more than just one lieutenant. I'm sure they have a huge chain of command, and uh, it could be anybody. And Khaleesi does say she never did say a name. So they're making an, an assumption in this article, and it's quite a leap to assume that it's Elizabeth. I it could be either or. I mean, it could be Elizabeth, it could not be. So uh Kylog writes, What is your favorite season? Mine is probably season five or seven. It's hard. I have a lot of favorite seasons. I can tell you my favorite episode. My favorite episode was the season premiere of season five, Terminus. It's a close call, but I would have to put that as my favorite episode of The Walking Dead. Uh, That was a great episode. Anyway, it goes on to say it's a little vague, but it definitely seems like there is something in the works. Showrunner Matt Negrete explained to Entertainment Weekly, we know that Dr. Belshaw has this photo of herself and Leo and a few other scientists on her desk. We know that one of the scientists we saw in the last episode is now an empty that she seems to be running tests on. Here she pulls out this manuscript that's written by Leo that includes a note from Iris that says, hurry up and save the world, because we basically want you back home. And also by looking at the picture that Lila has on her desk. It does seem that Lila and Dr. Leo Bennett were involved in some kind of a romantic relationship. And just her pulling out that that manuscript and going, going over some of his stuff. It looks like she really loved him. Uh... I don't know if Dr. Bennett is dead. I'm just making an assumption that I think that test subject that was brought in is a reanimated corpse of Dr. Leo Bennett. I could be completely wrong. I just want to make it clear that is just my guess. Uh, Then it goes on to say she gets a call from Elizabeth. Again, they're assuming we're basically tying some things together, all these elements and bits of this greater world, are going to start coming together. What I can say now is that something is afoot, and it seems like there is a plan in place that seems to have potentially something to do with the girl's father. So there will be more to come for sure. Elsewhere in the interview, Negrete suggested that Leo might be in New York and that Kublik is intending to take care of something before someone, most likely Hope and Iris, arrive there. And that's the end of the article. Not a bunch of information, a lot of assumptions. We don't know who it is. Uh, Matt Negrete is being quoted as saying it was Elizabeth, and he is the showrunner. So, even though Lila did not actually say the name, if it's coming from Matt that it is Elizabeth, well, he's the showrunner. So, I guess we have to assume that it is Elizabeth who made that call to Lila. Uh, So, interesting stuff right there. Very interesting stuff. Uh, Brian writes, she said, Lieutenant Colonel. Kylog writes, nice, nice. Kyle also writes, I love the reality of season five and I love the action in season seven. Uh, Season five is the highest rated season of The Walking Dead to date. Season five is when The Walking Dead was pulling in an average of 15 million viewers per week, which is insane. That's an insane number. Uh, You know, averaging 15 million. Some episodes went a lot higher than that. So uh let's see. CC Weezy writes that Tony and Percy call the walkers hasbins. Yes. Tony and Percy, the two con men that we saw in World Beyond on Sunday. Their name for the zombies is Hasbins. As we know the camp the campus colony name for the walkers, zombies, whatever you want to call them, is empties. So, the final piece that we have today is not really anything, you know, revealing. Why does Carol have long hair on The Walking Dead now? This has been covered before. We have covered this. It's been covered in many other articles. The reason why Carol had short hair when the apocalypse broke out And for the majority of the seasons on The Walking Dead was because she was married to an abusive husband, Ed, and she got tired of her abusive husband grabbing her from her hair and throwing her around. So to prevent that, she cut her hair short. It's a smart thing to do. It's a smart thing to do. You know what would have been even smarter? To leave the abusive husband. Uh, but that's a lot easier said than done. Uh, but that is why Carol, it took her a while. It really took her a while. It didn't happen till season nine, where, you know, she was in a relationship with Ezekiel, that she felt comfortable enough to actually grow her hair back out. So that leads us to believe that her mistrust in men and the trauma caused. To her by her ex, Ed, who was eaten by zombies, had a huge, long-lasting impact on Carol well after the, the world fell apart. So, Barney Calhoun writes, I knew it. Uh, Barney also writes, Ed died in a tent That's right. He died in a tent being devoured by walkers, and it was a fitting end to Ed. So, let's get on to today's topic. Today, we are going to be doing a character profile episode, and we're going to be talking about good old Herschel. And we all love Herschel, you know? Uh, Scott Walker, amazing actor who played Herschel, who's now passed away. May you rest in peace. Uh, So, let's find out everything we know. Maybe some of you guys will learn something new. About Herschel that you just did not know before. Now, although his character is a lot more hardened and stubborn in the comics, the general characterization of Herschel is the same between the comic books and the TV series. He was a devout Christian. He, hold, he held strong morals and family values. In the TV show, it's mentioned that Herschel was of Irish descent, who was brought up by an abusive alcoholic father. And we also know that Herschel himself was an alcoholic at one point as well. Uh, This is pretty much revealed after the mid- the amazing mid-season finale where Shane went all nuts on Herschel for stashing the Walkers inside his barn course where we get to see uh, Sophia reanimated as a zombie and the premiere of season 9 Herschel's pissed he tells him he wants him off his farm Rick and he leaves the farm Rick ends up finding him in a bar that's the whole bar scene where we get to meet the character of Dave and in that scene Rick actually kills his first human that is the first kill uh, of a human that Rick ever commits is in that bar scene with Herschel. So anyway, um, Herschel was driven off the farm when he was just 15. He became a veterinarian, married his first wife, whose name was Josephine. After his father died, he settled back onto the farm. Herschel himself also battled alcoholism and he pawned off his prized pocket watch to pay for his habit. His wife, Josephine, bought it back, and it wasn't until after Maggie was born that Herschel finally managed to give up drinking until he saw what Shane did, and he realized that the walkers were not just sick people who needed to be just cured, and that they indeed were dead. I think Shane did a good job driving that point home with Herschel that these walking corpses are indeed dead. They're not sick. Um, so anyway, sometime after Josephine died, Herschel remarried to another woman by the name of Annette, who had a son. The son's name was Sean, from a previous marriage. They had a child of their own together who they named Beth. In the comic books, Herschel married once and they had seven children, Maggie being the only surviving child. Anyway, in the TV series, we discover that early in the apocalypse, Annette and Sean are bitten and became two of the walkers that were locked up in the barn. As a man of medicine and morals, Herschel believed that the walkers can be cured and are not really dead. They are just sick human beings. The group of survivors led by Rick and Shane first meet Herschel when they take refuge on his farm after Carl is accidentally shot by Otis, who is a friend or employee of Herschel's. Now, in the comic books, Herschel runs the group off his farm at gunpoint after walkers burst out of the barn and killed two of his children. This happens when he is trying to show Rick a more humane way of dealing with the walkers. He therefore blamed the survivors for what happened, meaning Rick and his group. In the TV series, it was Shane who opened up the barn doors, but no one was actually bit. Herschel, however, does see the dangers when Beth is almost attacked by her undead mother. Herschel falls off the wagon like we discussed and is found by Rick and Glenn in that bar drinking, feeling foolish for thinking that he could save the walkers. If uh, you guys all remember that scene, it's when Randall's people try to get the location of the farm out of them. And then a shootout breaks out after Rick kills two of them. And I got to state this again. In that bar is when Rick com- killed his first human being. That's when that's Rick's first human kill. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying. Uh, Justin seems to be having some uh, YouTube trouble. Like I said, Justin, YouTube is reporting problems throughout the world today. Uh, let's see. Uh, Singer Chick writes Circle of Death. Absolutely. Uh, Lindsay Sparks on Facebook writes Otis was a farmhand on the Herschel farm. So, yeah, he was an employee of the Green family to, uh, to get technical. Uh, Barney writes, Shane shot Otis in the leg. He did it. That was pure murder right there. There's no other word to describe that. Shane murdered Otis so Shane can get away. Now, uh, Herschel does sober up and decide to place his trust in Rick, allowing him to extend his stay on the farm. Although at first, Herschel disapproved of Glenn's relationship with Maggie, He does warm up to Glenn when he sees that Glenn was a good person who really truly cared for his daughter. As a symbol of his approval, Herschel gives Glenn his pocket watch telling him no man is good enough for his daughter until one day someone is. It takes some time for Glenn to process what that meant and when it does hit him, he asks Herschel. For his permission. To marry his daughter Maggie. Even though the farm. Meant a lot to him. Herschel was forced to give it up. Together with Rick's group. And they attempt to make a new start. In the prison. Now this is going back. To the end of season two. Okay, The farm was overrun. It fell. Uh, You could blame it on. You know. A lot of different things. They actually do show us how all those walkers uh, found their way to the farm uh, through the gunshots that rang out and Shane's shenanigans. The, The walkers got up. They heard all the noise. They found the farm. It was overrun. But even till the very end, Herschel was very hesitant to give up the farm without a fight. You wanted to stay and fight for it, but there were just too many damn walkers. And luckily, they convinced him to give it up and get the hell out of there. Uh, it did mean a lot to him. Uh, despite having now going to the prison, we know that Herschel gets bit. He has to have his leg amputated by Rick. Rick had to make a really fast split-second decision because he knew if he didn't, Herschel was a goner. Uh, Herschel's knowledge on medicine and farming proves invaluable when the group expands to include the people from Woodbury, and they all work together in keeping the perimeter secure while producing food from them, for themselves through farming. Now we go to that flu outbreak that hit the prison. Herschel worked tirelessly to ensure that everyone had a quarantine system and to save those who were ill, including Glenn. Herschel became more than just a doctor. He also became Rick's voice of reason and his biggest confidant. When Carl was veering toward the dark side, after he was caught killing another boy right in front of Herschel, Herschel tells Rick, who takes it on board and starts to encourage Carl to get involved in the non-violent aspects of contributing and helping with the group. Now, let's see what you guys... I just A lot of you guys are chatting. I don't want to leave you guys out. Uh, let's see. Uh, Colette is asking, didn't Herschel heal Carl? Yes, Herschel performed surgery after Otis accidentally shot Carl. So Herschel saved Carl's life. Uh, Philip writes, it was Otis that did sh- sh- shoot Carl. Theis on YouTube writes Herschel and his Infinity Ammo at the farm. He's <laughs> Infinity Ammo. Philip on Facebook. Uh, yep, agreeing that Herschel did help Carl. Uh, Brian writes Herschel's speech hits harder after Corona. Oh man, so many parallels you can draw if you go back to that flu outbreak in the prison. And the quarantine that they had to put in place, and then you bring in also Carol's action, actions at the prison. Who she took it upon herself when she killed uh, Karen and David uh, to try to stop the spread of the flu, and how she overstepped her boundaries. It was just, it was a, it was rough. I guess that's the best word to use. It was just rough. Uh, one more thing, Khaleesi writes, Herschel broke me when he sat down on that prison bed and started crying. Uh, not long after the flu outbreak, the governor and his new followers ambushed Herschel and Michonne, taking them hostage. We all know that negotiations by Rick did not go well, and Herschel is brutally murdered and decapitated much to the horror of Rick and his group and, of course, his two daughters, Maggie and Beth. In the comic books, Herschel also dies at the hands of the governor, who shot him in the head after resigned himself to that fate. Although Beth was given the spotlight in the TV show, her character didn't exist on its own rights in the comic books. It's possible that rather than portraying Herschel with seven kids, the show decided to make Beth a representation of all of Herschel's children, with the exception of Maggie. The closest parallel that Beth has, perhaps, is Billy, who was Herschel's youngest son in the comics and died when the governor attacked the prison. Billy's death is what caused Herschel to give up on life. So we could see between the comic books and the TV show, they did weave in and out uh, coming into the comic books and leaving the comic books a lot when it came to Herschel's character and how they wanted it to play out. Uh, Going back to the TV show, Herschel did not get a chance to see Beth make it out alive during that attack on the prison. It's also interesting to note that in the comics, Herschel's two youngest daughters were killed by a deranged prisoner. And when we had uh, Lou Temple, who was a guest on our show, he mentioned with us and as well as other interviews that one of the storylines that they were toying around with in season three of The Walking Dead... Was making Axel, which is the character that Lou Temple played, one of the prisoners that was found there when they first, when the survivors first got there. They were really toying around with the idea of Axel being a serial killer, and they were considering the idea that Axel was to take Beth out into the woods and he murdered her. Uh, they didn't decided not to go that route. Uh, we all love Beth because we got to see her survive a lot longer than beyond season three. The, I think the biggest impact that Beth left on us is the time period after the prison fell, which would be the mid-season of season four, all the way to when she died. Okay? Uh, especially the moments that she had with Daryl. They were separated. The whole prison group was separated from each other. There were just maybe groups of two or three of them traveling together. It was Beth and Daryl traveling together. And we really got to really see, and we all fell in love with Beth as a character at that second half of season four. And then the episodes that we got to see with her and Daryl in that second half of season four. Uh, Let's see, uh, Billy, Brian writes on YouTube, show should have had Billy instead of Beth. Billy was way better. Lindsay Sparks writes, Herschel's death, oh my God, so sad. Still is still terrible. Uh, I like Beth, I like how they did it on the TV show. Uh, Billy would have been interesting. But I like the fact that they gave us Beth. Beth, played by Emily Kinney, was a brilliant character. And uh, we didn't know her in Season 2. She did try to kill herself in Season 2. And Andrea was the one that was sort of like cheering that on. Uh, That did not endear Andrea to the fans very much. Uh, It wasn't really until the second half of Season 4 where we as fans really got to know, love, and appreciate the character of Beth Greene on The Walking Dead. Uh, during Rick's darkest moments of grief after Lori's death, it was Herschel that snapped him out of it. He never gave up on him. Herschel never gave up on Rick. Even when Rick was just acting flat out crazy, hallucinating, pacing back and forth, in front of the prison, in the courtyard, having hallucinations of Lori. It was Herschel, it was always Herschel, when the group was in crisis, and they were meeting inside the prison, it was Herschel that said, let's see what Rick has to say. Even though the group, including Daryl, knew that Rick was not there, mentally. Nobody knew if he was going to come back mentally. Did he go crazy? Did he lose his mind? Would anything snap him back to reality? Herschel never gave up on Rick. And thats that speaks a lot to the character of Herschel and how close and how much confidence he had in Rick. Very important right there. A strong bond bond develops between the two men as they each help each other overcome their demons. For Herschel, it was alcohol, and for Rick, it was his grief and hallucinations. It's obvious that Rick respected Herschel and his counsel, while Herschel was deeply proud of Rick as if it was his own son. One could even wonder if Herschel, if he had lived on, would he have counseled Rick about his decision, that, that bad decision Rick made to attack the Savior outpost. What would have Herschel said? What would have Herschel said to Rick when they are at the hilltop negotiating with Jesus and Greg Gregory, and they first hear about this group called the Saviors. The Hilltop doesn't know much about them except they came in one day, killed a, a little boy. And they said, you're going to give us half your stuff or this is going to happen to all of you. And Rick made that fateful decision to go and attack that outpost. You got to stop and wonder if Herschel was still alive, if Herschel was still counseling Rick would Rick have made that same bad, bad decision? Apart from the governor, Herschel was respected by everyone and even struck up a casual friendship with Milton the first time they met. If, if y'all remember, Milton was the governor's loyal scientist. After Herschel's death in season four, Rick thinks back to the times when Herschel had tried to convince him to spend time with Carl and Judith, pulling him away from the violence by replacing his gun with farming tools, which is what Rick also does with Carl. Now, in Season 9, Rick's last episode, we do get to see Herschel again. And it's like one of Scott Wilson's last appearances before he passed away. And we are all very lucky as fans that we got to see that scene before uh, Scott Wilson, sorry, Scott Wilson passed away. Herschel appears to him in the barn on the hayloft as a hallucination, basically telling him not to give up and to wake up, to which Rick does. So, we are out of time for tonight, guys. Hope you guys learned some new stuff about Herschel that you may have not have known. Some different stuff that happened in regards to Herschel in the comic books as to how it was played out on the TV show. Uh, Khaleesi writes, I believed he would have told him to take time to learn about them before going in there all hot-headed. Find out who they are. That's exactly right. Uh, Brian writes, Rest in peace, Scott Wilson. Absolutely. Cece Weezy writes, Herschel... Would have told him they didn't need it. He would have had crops growing. That's true. Man, would have been great to have Herschel's knowledge... When they made it up to Alexandria. It would have been great. But, you know, did not work out that way. Uh, But his death on The Walking Dead... It was a huge stepping stone... For a lot of characters on that show. And in particular, the main one... Yeah, Herschel's death had a huge impact on Rick Grimes. And it needed to happen for Rick Grimes to make uh, the jump that he did in his character arc. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me tonight. This has been a fun hour, as it always is. If you want more information about our show, please visit us at our website at deadtalklive.com please go to our YouTube channel, which is called Walking Dead Now. Please feel free to subscribe if you have yet to do so. If you're there right now, it'd be greatly appreciated if you hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night. I wish you all a good night. Stay safe. And until tomorrow night, guys, remember, stay walking.